Thank you for firing up the Sunrise Church podcast. My name is Steve Garcia, and I am the lead pastor at Sunrise. We are a community of Jesus followers from all walks of life, all colors of skin, and all ages. And I hope this message you hear today inspires you to deepen your connection with Christ. Let's dive in. Thank you, team. Why don't you grab a seat? Good morning. Welcome to Sunrise Church. Special welcome to all of you who are watching online. My name is Steve Garcia. I'm the lead pastor here. And if this is your first time with us, I sure would love the opportunity to shake your hand or give you a fist bump. I usually position myself right outside here and I would, would love it if you come by and introduce yourself so I could personally welcome you to Sunrise Church. Well, today we're continuing in our October message series about increasing our impact. And two weeks ago, we began by talking about how Jesus loves when his people practice giving without getting. And we unveiled to the church what we believe is the next season of Sunrise Church, and that's building a new peace center right here on the campus of the Rialto, the Rialto campus. And uh, that, this is an idea of it. We're, we're looking at uh, what is going to be a $7 million project to complete. We, it's a two-year giving initiative that we're, we're going to be starting. And uh, we're going we're gonna to begin moving. Uh, whether the money's there or not, we're just moving in faith and believing that God is calling us to continue to give to the community around us. And then in week two, we talked about how every follower of Jesus is a missionary. If you are saved, you are sent. Not just to the neighbors across the street, but also the neighbors across the globe. And so part of this uh, giving initiative includes investing in a village in Kenya. And, and what we wanna do is, is partner with local churches to empower people to, to uh, be, be met with the holistic gospel and that, that can change their lives. And so we're saying this whole entire thing, we're calling it here to stay. And that has three aspects for our church, for our city, and for our world. For our church, uh, we believe that, that reaching beyond our walls is not just a fad. Sunrise Church is here to stay. And serving others in our community was not just something that we did during COVID, uh, helping meet needs and, and feeding people. The Peace Center is here to stay. And by partnering with churches in Kisumu, Kenya, we want to empower local pastors to be able to say to their communities, we are here to stay. As for today, our focus is going to be on how followers of Jesus uh, ought to respond to the needs all around them. So with that, let's dive into part three of our message series, Here to Stay. I want you to picture a scenario. You're in the left turn lane of a very busy intersection. And so the cars in front of you uh, advance forward and you get right up to the, to the corner and the light turns red and so there you are waiting. And as you're sitting there in your car, there's a person right next to you holding up a sign. It says, homeless, please spare some change. Anything will help, God bless. What's your instinct in that situation? For some of you, your instinct is lock the doors. Okay, I don't want them pulling, them, pulling me out of the car, you know, and at two o'clock in the afternoon at a busy, crowded intersection on a Saturday. It's never happened before in my entire life, but, you know, anything can be a first, right? Uh, for some of you, your instinct is don't make eye contact. Okay, I don't want him interested. I'm thinking I'm interested. Everybody in the car, everybody face forward, don't look at him. For some of you, your instinct is guilt. 
oh man, this is a, this is a long light. I'm the first car here. I got to do something. This is awkward. We're just sitting here looking at each other. So you start fumbling around, maybe in the cup holder for some loose change or something, and, and you just give it to him just because you feel bad. For some of you, your instinct is rage. What's happened in this place? I blame the governor. I blame the president. This is what happens when you take prayer out of the schools. And for others, your, your instinct might be you really do want to help. You just don't think that giving money is the best way to do it. And so the light turns green, you drive away, and you don't look back. You know, whenever we face these kinds of scenarios, it, it's really an opportunity to reflect on our own hearts. Because what your instinct is, is a reflection of your heart. Even driving away and not thinking about it again is a reflection of your heart. And so what is the right thing? What's the wrong thing? What's enabling? What's dignifying? What does the Bible have to say? Well, you know, the Bible rarely addresses specific cases, but it always addresses core issues. And nobody was better at this than Jesus. He had an uncanny ability to peel back the layers and get right down to the heart of the matter. And that was certainly the case in Mark chapter 12, which is the text we'll be in for today. So if you have a Bible, you could turn in your Bibles or turn on your Bibles to the New Testament book of Mark chapter 12. And we're going to parachute in on the last week of Jesus's life before he went to the cross as he was going toe to toe with the religious leaders of his time. Mark chapter 12, beginning in verse 38. As he taught, Jesus said, watch out for the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. So right out of the gates, Jesus says, don't get caught up with outward appearances. Don't be impressed by it. Because Jesus was sickened by the theater of religious activity by those in authority at his day. There were groups known as the scribes and the Pharisees. And he said they, they love to make it known how godly they are. They love to make it known in what they wear. They had these big flowy robes. These were not common outfits that people wore. These were only garments for holy men. And so they loved to be greeted. When they walked into a room, the expectation for you was to drop everything that you were doing and thank them for, for gracing you with their presence, to be in the presence of such holy men. So they, they loved sitting on, on the top of the food chain. And they had no problem letting others know about it. They loved the perks of the job, the best seats at the best restaurants. Jesus was totally unimpressed because he saw past all the flash. Jesus looks at the heart. You know, these days, you know, if you want to let somebody know that you're an important person who, who, who's rich, you wear a nice thick gold and diamond chain around your neck. You know, so anytime you see an actor or an athlete or a rock star or a rapper with these big giant chains, you know, okay, that, that person's probably got some money and, and they want you to know about it. For Jesus, he didn't care about any of that stuff. Jesus looks at the heart, and he's about to show his disciples how to do the same thing. Let's continue to read, verse 41. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. So Jesus was in the temple courts, and at the epicenter of Jewish religious life was the temple. 
It's a little hard for us to get today, but the, the temple was this incredible building that represented God's presence amongst the people. And this temple and the surrounding temple courts was where life happened in Jerusalem. It's where people came to talk, to eat, to connect, and of course, to worship. It was, a, it, it was a massive, of massive importance in their lives. And in fact, it still is to this day. I was actually there this past January, and I, here's a picture of the Western Wall and this is where many Orthodox Jews come to pray. And the reason they come to this wall is because this is the closest they can get to the temple, which is that big, is no longer there, but that big uh, dome right behind it is a Muslim holy site that's under strict Palestinian control and Jews aren't allowed to go up there. So they come to the wall, the closest they can get to come and pray. And some of the people there are, they, they hold this area to be so reverent, they won't even turn their back on the wall to walk away. I took some video of it with my phone uh, just to show you. Look at this. Yeah, people literally walking backwards because they don't want to turn their back on this wall. And that's today. Imagine what it was like back then during the time of Jesus. It was, it was a place of, of incredible importance. And so this was the place where Jesus decided to relax a little bit after uh, arguing with some of the religious leaders. And uh, this is also the place where people came and brought their financial contributions. It was called the temple treasury. Let's continue to read at what Jesus observed. Verse 41 says, Many rich people threw in large amounts. So as Jesus is lounging back and watching the, the scene in the, in the temple treasury, he's watching uh, the rich people come up and make their contributions. Now, in this temple treasury, there was 13 sort of trumpet-shaped receptacles that people could come up to and drop all of their coins into. And so it turns out that it wasn't just the religious leaders who liked to put on a show. The rich people liked to do it too. They wanted people to see how much they were giving. And so they'd make a big production out of it. Maybe, maybe what they did was they took a really long time putting their coins in the receptacle so that lines would form behind them. I mean, can't you just picture it? One of these rich guys at the front saying, hey, sorry, everybody. This is going to take a really long time. I mean, I have a lot to put in here. You know, just taking the time with, with, with each one. And, and this would kind of stir up the crowd. Like, wow, look at that guy. Oh, my goodness. Look, is he still putting coins in there? Well, and, and so people would ogle it at the, at the show of, of, of all of it taking place. And, and it was really kind of in entertainment. It was impressive. But not to Jesus. Once again, he was unimpressed with this show because the real show was about to begin. Verse 42. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. What this woman contributed was called a mite, M-I-T-E. And a mite was essentially 1% of a day's wages. By today's standards, it's probably equivalent to about a dollar. So we're not talking about a lot of money. Verse 43, calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. So the fact that Jesus had to call his disciples to himself tells us that they were probably caught up in the hype. They were probably watching all of the, the rich people make their contributions. And honestly, can you blame them? 
you and I would have been doing the same thing. Let me give you an example. Let's say that I stood before you today and said, hey, guys, I have a very special announcement. Today, someone special is going to be coming to Sunrise Church to make a contribution towards our Peace Center giving initiative. It's Elon Musk. Now, if you don't know who Elon Musk is, he's currently the world's richest person. He's the CEO of Tesla and SpaceX and Twitter, or it's called X now. And so what if we said we cleared some space out in the parking lot for his helicopter to land, and he's going to be here, and oh, here he is now. He, come on down, Elon Musk. Every last one of us would be fumbling around for our phones, trying to get videos going, and as he comes up and stands with me and pre- presents me one of those like, big checks like they give to lotto winners, you know, we'd be snapping pictures and laughing and cheering. And what if while all this was happening, a poor person came up and dropped a dollar in the plate? None of us would have noticed. I wouldn't. You wouldn't. But Jesus would. And Jesus did. He noticed exactly what was happening with this widow. And he made a really interesting statement to his disciples. I'm going to read it again. He said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. Jesus didn't say she put in more than a rich person. He said she put in more than everybody combined. How how, how could he say such a thing? Was he really bad at math? I mean, we know how much she put in, two copper coins. I mean, how how could that possibly be more than all of these other massive amounts of, of coins that were being dropped in these treasuries? Here's why Jesus said it was more. Because Jesus counts differently than you and I. We look at the bottom line, but Jesus looks at something much deeper. And here's what's so key to grab hold of. Jesus cares more about the state of your heart than the size of your gift. See, Jesus doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. That's of much greater value to him. If he gets your heart, all the other treasures that you have in life are soon to follow. But he cares more about the state of your heart than the size of your gift. And what he saw in this widow was the state of the heart that he's looking for for all of us. You see, what this widow did was was that her trust began with God, and then she figured out where money fit in. For many of us, our trust begins with money, and then we figure out where God fits in. But Jesus doesn't want that for us. He wants a different kind of heart. And I think at some point, every single one of us has to wrestle with the question, what is the state of my heart? You know, sometimes when we're in these scenarios where people are asking us for money, that's an opportunity to assess. You know, when we're talking about cutting-edge technology, the the language we use is state-of-the-art. Well, today we're talking about cutting-edge generosity. So the language we're going to use is state-of-the-heart. And in my experience, I've seen a couple of common heart states when it comes to meeting the needs of people, when it comes to giving financially. And here's a couple I just want to lay out for you. Here's the first one, and that's the helpless heart. This is the person who says, I cannot give. The bills are tight. I'm paying down debt. Look, I I just got to get out of this season. Once I get around the bend, then I'll start to give. It's not that I don't want to. It's just that I cannot. You know, each Monday I gather some pastors and staff around a table and We look at what the passage of Scripture is that we're going to preach on in the next week. 
and everybody shares their insights, and that helps me as I put these messages together. And so this past Monday, uh, I asked the, the men and women around the table, hey, what do you do when you're in one of those situations where the, the, the person's holding up the sign and asking for money? And most staff and pastors all said the same thing. You know, sometimes I give money, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I buy them food, sometimes I don't. I, I, I pray and ask God, what do you want me to do in that moment? And I try to respond. And that's where I fall. Uh, that, that, that's the same thing that I do. But one of our pastors had a pretty interesting response. He said, this is what my dad used to do growing up all the time. He said, whenever anybody solicited my dad, he would turn back to them and say, I need money too. You got any for me? He said it worked every time. They were shocked that he was asking them for money. Now, I don't recommend that strategy, <laughs> but I do think that mentality is quite common, especially with, with uh, Christians in the church. Of, it's not that I don't want to give. It's just that I cannot. I don't have anything. And that's legitimate. But that pesky widow had to come along and take away our excuses. She had two coins, and she gave them both. It would have been an act of extravagant generosity if she gave one and kept the other one for herself. And we would have went, wow, look at the faith of this woman to give half of everything she has. But she gave them both. So, so is Jesus saying to all of us that you need to give everything you have, you know, similar to the counsel he gave to the rich young ruler, you know, sell all your possessions and give to the poor? Is that what Jesus was saying? No, I think what Jesus was, was, was making notice of is that everyone can give something, even in the tightest of times. Look at the widow. You know, a couple of weeks ago, at the start of this message series, a homeless guy came and was a part of this service. Uh, he had, you know, tattered clothes, overgrown beard and hair, rolled up sleeping bag under his arm. Turns out I know the guy. I've had a couple of conversations with him in the past, and, and so we got caught up and asked him how he's doing. I know he's wrestled with a lot of demons. And for the most part, he, he was in a good place. And right before he left, he handed me an offering envelope that was sealed up that had some, some dollar bills in it. So I took and I dropped it in the, the offering boxes in the back. And as I did, I just thought, do I have any excuse? I mean, do I really have any excuse not to give? Am I really helpless? I think we all know what the answer is. You know, one of the things that we've been asking the church is to pray and ask God, what part do you want me to play in this giving initiative? What do you want me to contribute? And that's something that my wife and I have been, have been talking about too. We've been praying about this and we're in the process of reorienting our finances so that we can invest heavily into this project too. Because I see no greater investment of our dollars than in God's work through his local church. And, but, but there's some who say, yeah, I, I, just, I just can't give. And if that's you, here's a couple of things to consider. Some of the stories I've heard, even from people in this church are, you know, we got a bunch of streaming services that, that we never watch. Hulu, Netflix, Disney Plus. Some people have these large cable packages with 500 channels and you watch one of them. You know, saying, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna, we're gonna cut the cord. We're gonna shut off some of these streaming services and the money that we were taking that go to these things, we're instead gonna let that be our contribution. Or some people have some, uh, some loans that are retiring, maybe some car payments that are about to end or more likely phone payments that are about to end. And so what they've determined is in our lives, we've already lived uh, knowing that we can handle these bills, so when those bills are done, we're just gonna keep paying them, but instead of paying them to 
the place that we owe the loan, we're going to make that as our contribution to the church. There are some people in here who've never given before, but something about wanting to give back to the community through the Peace Center or, or wanting to help a village in, in Kenya has captured your heart, and you're going to step in for the first time, even if it's just a small contribution. Why? Because Jesus cares more about the state of your heart than the size of your gift. None of us are really helpless. I mean, giving nothing, that's not what God wants for us. He wants us to practice the same kind of generosity shown to us in the gospel. I mean, Jesus gave it all. And he wants us to see that same mentality with what we do with our resources. And so the first kind of state of the heart is the helpless heart. Here's the second one, the cynical heart. The person with the cynical heart says, it won't make a difference. I mean, come on, if I, if I see a homeless person and I, I give them some money, they're still gonna be homeless tomorrow. I mean, if I buy them lunch, they'll just be hungry for dinner. You know, they're, they're probably all a bunch of drug addicts anyway. They're probably professional panhandlers who make six-figure salaries out in the corners begging. You know, the person with the cynical mindset uh, just believes the worst about people, doesn't, doesn't think anything's gonna really help. And we see this even with our own Peace Center. We'll have people tell us, you know, by giving away free food, you're just keeping people in the system. And that's not true. I mean, the Peace Center is not a daily meal ticket. At best, we're, we're supplementing people's food supply. You, can only, you only get to come once a week. And what we're trying to do is ease the burden for those who have fallen on hard times. But what we've seen is that when you meet a physical need, people are much more open to having a spiritual need met. Since it opened in 2020, we've seen over 4,500 people pray to receive Jesus because of just a little bit of help. And for those who are willing, we, we try to help them in other ways too, with job placement, helping through addictions, finding shelter, connecting with county services, uh, even helping people fulfill community service requirements. This in addition to our church ministries of learning how to understand the Bible and marriage mentoring and, and parenting and getting connected into Christian community. But the person with the cynical heart doesn't see that. They see all help as fleeting and meaningless. I heard a story recently of the great Christian philosopher and author, C.S. Lewis. Him and his friend were walking down a street and a beggar stopped them and asked them for money. So the friend just kept walking. But C.S. Lewis stopped and started emptying out his wallet. And so after they went along, the friend was, was incensed at C.S. Lewis like, and, and started you know, kind of chastising him. And what I can only picture is one of those classic British accents. And he said to him, don't you realize he's just gonna squander all your money on ale? To which C.S. Lewis replied, that's all I was gonna do with it. <laughs> so the cynical heart exists in a, a lot of people. One person who could have had a cynical heart was the widow that we read about. I wanna go back to the text. Look at this again. It says in verse 41, it says, many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. A cynical view would say, what do these two coins even matter? I mean, can you imagine how intimidating it would be to walk out and do this amidst all of the rich people dumping in their truckloads of money? She could say, look, look, when you compare my gift to what's being given, would anybody even notice if I never contributed these two coins? I mean, what impact is it really going to have? You know, when we think about this widow, we often think about the faith it took to give these two coins and, and the fact that she would leave this place and have to figure out where the next meal would come from. And that is extraordinary faith. But I think she had another kind of faith too. 
I think she had the kind of faith that believed that God could do something with these two coins that she wasn't capable of understanding. That God could use these in a way that is immeasurable and, and beyond our understanding. You know, not long ago, I went out to eat with my family and money was a bit tight, so we picked a little uh, Mexican place that we liked on Taco Tuesday. I could feed like my whole family for, for like eight bucks, right? And so my wife took the kids and, and uh, I met her there. I drove here from church and we sat down and we ate together and then she had to go run some errands. So we agreed I'd take the kids back home, get them to sleep and get homework going and all of that stuff. And so as I walk out of the restaurant, this guy stopped me and he's like, excuse me, sir, can I, can I have some money? I missed the bus and it's not gonna be here for another two hours and I'm really, really hungry. I'm like, oh, come on, man. I'm just trying to go home. I got my kids here. You know, okay, look, I struggle a little bit with a cynical heart, okay? I'm not saying that to be proud. I'm saying that to be vulnerable because I know some of you struggle with the same thing, so don't judge me. Okay, so I'm like, oh, okay. And so I, I pray in the moment, God, what do you want me to do? And I, I sense him saying, you know, help the guy out. I'm like, all right, listen. I'm not gonna give you any money, but I'll tell you what. I'll buy you a couple of tacos. You okay with that? He's like, oh, that'd be great. So we walk back in the restaurant, and by this time, the line is like 20 people deep. And I'm like, oh, this is gonna take me like another 30 minutes just to get to the register. You know, it's like internally, I'm like, this is, uh, okay. I'm like, all right, well, I got this guy. I'm gonna talk to this dude in line right now. I'm gonna tell him about Jesus. He can't go anywhere. <laughs> so I start talking to him. I say, hey, have you ever heard of Sunrise Church? He's like, no, no, I never heard of it. Where is it? I'm like, oh, it's on the corner of Ayala and Riverside off the 210 and Rialto. He's like, oh, okay, okay. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm the pastor there. And, you know, trying to get some spiritual conversation going. I'm like, do you go to church? It's like, no, no, I'm not really a religious person. I said, well, the great news is that Jesus cares more about a relationship than a religion. And he died on the cross to forgive you of your sins. But do, do you have a relationship with Jesus? And he's like, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm like, man, no, you ain't. You just want some free food, man. I, I, I know how this goes. <laughs> so my cynical heart is on overdrive. We get up to the register. Now, now, mind you, I told him I would buy him a few tacos. My man gets up there. Okay, I'll take four tacos, two burritos, three enchiladas, an extra large harchata. Like, what, what, what is this, an open tab? Uh, you know, and I'm listening to this guy order. I'm like, his one order is like five times what it took to feed my entire family. Like, this is what happens when you help people. They take advantage. So I pay for it and say goodbye and... We go out in the car and I'm, I'm stressing a little bit as we're driving home. I'm like, man, that was a waste of time. I should have just given the guy two bucks in the parking lot and been done with it. So as we're driving home, one of my kids says to me, dad, that was really nice what you did for that man. And that's when it hit me. Helping this guy get something to eat, it wasn't for him. It was for my kids. And they got to see an example of their dad helping somebody out. Thankfully, they couldn't hear my internal dialogue or they might've walked away from the faith, but that's not the point, okay? The point is they saw a real-time example in front of them, hey, that sometimes there's people in need and, and you can help. And what's interesting is even this past week, my son was getting, uh, coming back from work and he was late. And so he got home, I'm like, hey man, what took so long? He said, well, there's a guy stranded by the side of the road at his car. And so I went and bought him some gasoline. I'm like, oh. I'd like to think I contributed somewhat to that <laughs> sense of loving your neighbor. 
I mean, there's worse things you could be teaching your kids than, than helping someone in need. But here's the thing. Friends, sometimes there's more than just the bottom line. Sometimes God is going to do something different than you even know. Because when it comes to generosity, Jesus doesn't want something from you. He wants something for you. And when you have a cynical heart, you can miss the fact that, okay, if I contribute to this, this peace center giving initiative, what's, what's my little gift going to do? Let, let the rich people, the people who have more than me contribute. But what if God wants to do something more? Did, did God do something more with the widow's gift than she could imagine? I'd say so because it's been a little over 2,000 years and we're still talking about her. And who knows how many people over the centuries across all the world began their generosity journeys because of the example that this woman led for, for everyone to give. And her story is memorialized in the Holy Bible. I'd say God did immeasurably more than all she could ask or imagine in that moment. And what if God wants to do the same thing with you? <laughs> so we've got the helpless heart. The helpless heart says, I cannot give. The cynical heart says it won't make a difference. Here's one more, the wounded heart. The wounded heart is from the person who got burned in the past. And so now the wounded heart says, oh, I'm done helping. I'm done helping. Did that before and look how it worked out. I bet every single one of you in here has a story of a time where you helped somebody and they came back and burned you. I bet some of you have a friend or a family member that you decided to help out by letting them stay at your home for free while they got back on their feet. And you're gonna let them come into your home for a couple of days and a couple of days turned into a couple of weeks and a couple of weeks turned into a couple of months and a couple of months turned into a year. And finally it got to the point where it was causing problems. You said, you gotta go. And they stormed out mad at you. You're just another hypocritical Christian. And you say, look, that's what happens. That's what happens. Or maybe you were part of another church and you gave to their building campaign. They did the whole nine yards, the groundbreaking and the giant thermometer up on the stage and, and you contributed heavily to that project and that empty lot then is still an empty lot now and to this day you have no idea where your money went. You said, not again. I'm not, I'm not getting burned like that. I'm done helping. You know somebody who could have had a wounded heart? is this widow. Because it's entirely possible that the circumstances that she was facing were actually caused by the religious leaders. We read something earlier. If you blinked, you might've missed it. I wanna go back to it again. Jesus said in Mark 12, 38, watch out for the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses. What does that mean? Here's what it means. We know women in, in that time had very limited rights. I mean, they were pretty much cut out of the courts. And so married women, uh, what, what would happen is their husbands would entrust their estate to legal experts who happened to be the religious leaders. And so after the husband would die, these religious leaders would prey on the vulnerable widows by taking advantage of the fact that they didn't understand the law and they would bilk these women out of their money. Is it possible that this widow 
only had two coins because she herself was a victim of having her own house devoured. Is it possible that the reason why this woman was poor is because she fell victim to the system? And yet she gave. (laughs) She didn't give to the system. She gave to God, even though the system was flawed. You know, over the last year, I've heard a lot of stories of professing Christians who have walked away from Jesus because they got hurt by the church. And and the overwhelming kind of story is that they experienced some kind of hypocrisy by another person who claims to be a Christian. And, And anytime I hear these stories, it saddens me very, very deeply. And if that was your story, I I am so sorry to you. And I want to make sure you understand this. Christianity is not other Christians. Christianity is Christ. Let me explain this to you. Look at it like this. Uh, How many of you have ever sang karaoke? Put your hands up. Okay, karaoke is great, right? There's only one thing better than singing karaoke, and that's watching others sing karaoke. Except, of course, when it's your drunk neighbors at one in the morning, uh, even though you have to wake up the next morning and preach, hypothetically speaking, of course. Um, so let's, let's say this. I don't know how many of you have ever seen this where there, there's, there's somebody who, who's at the karaoke place and they strut up to that microphone. They grab that thing off the stand all confidently, trying to belt out a song by Whitney Houston. And I will always. You're falling to the ground, you're cupping your ears, you're praying to God to make it stop. Now, when that happens, do you blame Whitney? No, you blame the person who is a bad imitation of Whitney. Christians are people who are trying to imitate Jesus. It turns out that some are really bad at doing it. So do you blame Jesus? Christianity isn't other Christians. Christianity is Christ. And the church is filled with flawed people. You don't walk away from Jesus because of other Christians. And the reality is that when it comes to giving, some of us have that same mentality. You know, I've given before and I've gotten burned and I've gotten hurt and I'm not doing that again, which is really sad because you're allowing the pain from the past to rob you of the joy in the present. For some of you, this is stretching back 10, 20, 30 years. It's about time to turn the page and step out and see what does God want me to do? What role does he want me to play? Do I have to stay in this wounded state all the time because this widow was able to rise above potentially wounding circumstances and still gave to the Lord? These three heart states, the helpless heart, the cynical heart, the wounded heart, these are not the kinds of hearts that Jesus is looking for. He's looking for people who have the same heart as the widow, and that is the surrendered heart. The surrendered heart is the person who says, all of me for all of you. Here's my life. As flawed as it is, God, here's my life, here's my offering. Take it and do with it what you will. That's the kind of heart Jesus wants from all of us. Have you ever opened your hands and surrendered this to Jesus? Here's the incredible thing. When you give Jesus your heart, he gives his heart to you. And Jesus can help the helpless heart. 
He can satisfy the cynical heart. He can make well the wounded heart. All he needs in return is a surrendered heart. Have you ever surrendered your life to Jesus? Have you ever cried out to him and just told him, I, I can't save myself. I've been running. I've, got, uh, I've been trying all these things. I've got this, this hole in, in my soul. I, I don't know what to do with it. But Jesus, today, I'm just going to give you my life and say, I don't have all the answers, but I'm going I'm to put it in your hands and just believe that you died for someone like me and that you can give me a new heart. If you've never prayed a prayer like that, here's the great news. I could help you do that right now. In just a moment, I want to lead you through something that we call the sinner's prayer or the salvation prayer. And it's just a, a simple prayer. I can give you some words that you could repeat after me, but they're just words if you don't believe them in faith. But it's just a simple prayer of surrender, of inviting Jesus into your life to take over and be your Lord. And so right now, I want to invite everybody to bow your heads, close your eyes, and if you've never surrendered your heart to Jesus, there's no better time like the present. And so in the silence of your heart, I want you to repeat these words after me. Jesus, I give you my heart. Come on, you tell them. Jesus, I give you my heart. Just like the widow, I give you it all. Today, I place my faith in you. Jesus, I believe you died in my place. And I ask that you forgive my many sins. Take away my old heart and give me a new heart so I could leave my past behind and follow you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, if you're somebody who prayed that prayer for the first time, I wanna encourage you to do something about it. Here's a simple way to do it. In the programs that you received when you came in, there's a little card that says connect card and on it is a box that says, today I decided to follow Jesus. You could just check that box and in just a moment when the offering comes by, I'll fill it out, drop it in and one of our staff people will follow up with you and help you walk in this new life. Maybe some of you have already prayed to receive Jesus, but you're just stuck, you're, you're not moving anywhere and you wanna take that next step. Here's the best way to do that. Grab your phone and text the word next to 909-281-7797. Again, one of our staff people will receive that message and customize a plan with you to help you take your next step. Maybe that's joining a small group or, or serving or just needing somebody to talk to or you need some assistance of some kind. Text NEXT to 909-281-7797 or you could stop by our next step table in the lobby and have a conversation with someone today. And also, I just wanna point out in your program is this card here, and this is a, a financial commitment card, and we're asking everybody to pray and simply ask God, what part do you want me to play? And in a couple of weeks, we're going to ask you to make that commitment. Next week, we're going to continue in our message series by talking about how every person can have an impact. Really, it's possible. You're not going to want to miss it. Be thinking of who you can invite with you to hear this message. Until then, let's all ask ourselves, what is the state of my heart? Are you feeling helpless today? cynical, wounded, or do you want to surrender your heart to Jesus? I think it would be amazing if every last one of us and all of you watching online today said, here's my life, God. Take it and use it as you will. All of me for all of you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. 
Father in heaven, we thank you for being a generous God who loved the world so much you gave your only son. <laughs> There's not much more to give than that. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us to reflect the same generosity shown to us through the gospel. Lord, I pray that you would awaken hearts that have fallen asleep, hearts that have grown cold and cynical and mean. God, help us to just show some love and compassion. And God, open our fingers and pry our hands from the things that we think we need and that may we all give you our hearts. Because like you said, Jesus, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So Father, I pray now as we take these tithes and offerings that you would take these gifts and multiply them, use them to make a difference in this city and around this world. We call on you for our help because we believe you're the only one who could actually provide it. So we pray all of this in the powerful name of Jesus. And church, if you believe it, then somebody say, amen. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. I wanna encourage you to not just stop here. Maybe you sense God is speaking to you today and wanting you to take that next step. So here's two ways you can do just that. The first is text the word next to the number 909-281-7797. That's 909-281-7797. You'll receive a message back with some ways to help you grow. That may mean joining a small group or finding a place to serve or just talking with someone one-to-one about your faith. You can also visit the notes for this podcast and follow the links provided. And if you're within driving distance of one of our four physical locations in Banning, Ontario, Rialto, or Victorville, we'd love for you to stop by sometime and give us a chance to meet you personally. Again, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope to see you soon. God bless.